Robertson, who was, I think, a psychologist, uh, said this is what they do instead, and they provided a list of 10 bullet points to what they would say to the child instead of you're naughty. This is what she says. She said, um, I empathize with them. Uh, in, I'm not going to give you all a list because uh, we don't have the time. I give them a time to process what I've said. I help them process an argument and I'll say things like, it looks like your sister is sad that you've snatched that toy from her. And by the time this list of 10 bullet points gets through, if I was that three-year-old, I'd be saying, it's okay, I'm not going to do it again. <laughs> but there is a good point in there in the fact that there's a difference between labeling someone and describing their behavior. And in the passage that we're looking at today, Jesus actually does label. He doesn't describe the behavior. He says, you are. He says, if you are my follower, I'm labeling you. You are this, not you need to start doing this. He's saying, uh, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. And we're going to see that we are not salt or light by doing something or even by saying something, but we are salt and light by being something. And that's really critical. That he wanted his followers to know what you are. Today we're looking at the Jesus way is about what we are. And we're looking at it in a quite a familiar passage in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be looking at these two images of the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Not in what we can do, but again in what we are. And the context is, well we've already seen in the past few weeks, uh, Jesus was baptized. And part of that was understanding uh, as we looked at who we are, our identity. Uh, and then Jesus was led into the wilderness and he was tempted. And we looked at the fact that the Jesus way is not my way. And last week, uh, as well as other things, that we also then came on to last week, we read of Jesus calling his first disciples into this community. And this is where we pick up the story this week, where Jesus starts to teach this new community of followers. He was gaining popularity. He was going through Galilee. He was teaching and healing people, we're told, of every disease. And now he comes and he goes up a mountainside. And this is what Matthew 5 verse 1 says. Now Jesus, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up a mountainside and sat down. Sitting down, typical of a, of a Jewish rabbi, they're about to teach something officially. And his disciples came to him, and it appears there was a large crowd of people beyond the disciples listening in on what Jesus was saying in this uh, place where the acoustics were probably better than being on a flat plane. And he lays it on the line to his disciples and the would-be followers, and he says, this is the Jesus way. This is how it's lived out, and this is what you are if you are my follower. This is what becoming an apprentice of mine is like, and it looks like this starting now. My presence in your everyday life is much more than making the cut when you die. This is what it's like to follow me. 
The Jesus way is very different from the way of the world. And he compares the Jesus way with the values of the world. And the little people of the world, I'm really indebted to, to, to George Nixon who, who, who suggested a book, um, The Divine Conspiracy um, uh, by Dallas Willard. And I've started reading it, George. Uh, and it's a great read, and, and, and we could do a whole series in this. And I, I, what's really frustrating is when you're preparing a sermon, there's so many things that you can't say because you just don't have time. But this whole picture of, of the little people, the forgotten people, suddenly it's turned on its head, and the privileged people will be thinking, hang on a wee minute. And, and the little people are given privilege in the kingdom of God. And having laid out the Beatitudes uh, as what they're known as the, the, these blessings, uh, showing that God had chosen to reverse, uh, to reverse what it means to be great, then Jesus says, this is what you are. And he gives his followers two labels. And he said, you, that's plural, are the salt and you are the light. So if he was in Northern Ireland, he'd be saying, yous. Yous are the salt of the earth. Yousins, you're the light of the world, so you are. And the light is singular, but the yous is plural. This is a call to a community of faith. And today we're going to have a wee look at these images. And I've rethought, so I've, I've sort of been uh, reconvinced of, of a, or, or changed in my, in my thinking about this as a result of studying this. And there's, a, there's definitely implications for us as church and for us as grace community. And so let's pick it up at Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 13. And this is the first of the things that we are. Matthew five thirteen. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. I suppose it's important for us to understand or get a picture of what this image of salt meant. Because for me, when somebody says salt of the earth, you think that's a compliment. See, we Jimmy, salt of the earth, salt of the earth. Uh, there's an Northern Ireland theme today, but, um, but that sort of phrase to me would be, would be a compliment. But this was a new phrase, it appears. Uh, this was a weird thing to say to the crowd. You are the, the red hot peppers of the earth. Huh? What? 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 It's, it's a new image. It's not this term that we, that we enjoy and think it's a compliment. What did it mean for the hearers? Uh, and there's a rich range of possibilities. And as you read different commentaries, you see different people will say, it means this, it means this, it means this. Uh, and, and one of the, uh, I mean, I'm not going to list them all, but there's so many things that salt could mean and may have meant. One of which in particular stands out uh, is, is that of a preservative. The whole idea of, of, in those days, without fridges and freezers, you would have rubbed salt into fish or meat to keep them from going bad. But I was intrigued by a, a, a sort of parallel passage in Luke 14, which says this, if the salt loses its saltiness, it's neither fit for the soil or the manure pile. Uh, and so therefore, sort of looking around what that meant and what commentators would say on that and, 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 and what, the, what the commentaries say, uh, soil, uh, well, you're no longer fit for the soil. This whole idea of salt being in portions where you're throwing it on the soil, it's like a fertilizer containing uh, potassium, 
uh, chloride, as if I know what I'm talking about, um, uh, potash, that, that there's a significant amount of this in it. So, so that picking up the Dead Sea salt, throwing it onto the, the soil, it was a form of fertilizer. But also, without getting too graphic, the manure pile. Uh, those of you who've been to Moldova will know what it's like to, to, to go to a bathroom without uh, running water. Uh, and and whilst the, the, we, have a, we have a long way, well, no, let's not get too graphic. Um, but in, in, in the ancient Near East, as I, as I read about this, they're, 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 the people would have gone to the bathroom away from the house and um, they would have had salt. As a, as a disinfectant that you would throw on. So there's a kind of rich, well, rich is maybe too strong a word, but there's, 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 there's this imagery of everyday life about salt being um, a preservative, about salt being fertilizer, about salt being disinfectant. And this is a vivid picture of everyday life. So remember what Jesus is saying, not please act like this, but he says, you are salt not by doing anything, not by saying anything, but by being something, you're salt. And so there are implications for us if we are salt as church, if yous are salt. And the first implication uh, is, is this one, it's quantity. Um, there is a certain proportion required of salt, isn't there? Uh, you, if, you, if you sprinkle a wee bit in the soil, it's not going to have a big impact. And so if salt or if this fertilizer is to have some sort of uh, impact, then only a sprinkle is going to have less of an impact. And as Paul was saying earlier, we're living in challenging times, in dark times, some people would say. The social trends in so many areas are going the wrong direction. Is it because the number, the quantity of Christians in society, of committed Christians, is low in the UK? Is it because this quantity is small? And, and when you look back at history and what the church has been involved in in, in in our society and what it's formed in the first place, is this a sign that there's less salt in society? And therefore, the church maybe needs to rethink the priority on evangelism. We need to maybe think about what it means, where are we, to reach out in love to understand what it means because if our society is to be preserved, then the number of people who are followers of Christ, following the Jesus way, maybe needs to be bigger. And maybe that's a reason why society's trends are going the way they are. That's why we proclaim the good news of Jesus. But secondly, salt needs to be distributed it needs to be thrown into the soil it's no use in the box it operates by presence it's not where the soil is okay because the bag is here the soil is only okay when 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 the salt is distributed when the salt is uh, engaged with the soil i was reading an article recently uh, about street pastors and street angels uh, who are volunteers uh, from the church um, on the streets, in the nightclubs, on the club scene, out, on the, uh, out in various different cities. 
And street pastors and street angels are two different organizations, uh, and they've got different priorities. But they, but they are motivated and started with, with, a, with a, a desire to put Christian presence on the streets. And they offer help and support, chaplaincy, and detached youth work. Really interestingly, in Halifax, I was reading that violent crime reduced by 42% within one year of these street angels forming. They're not coming in with batons and tasers. They're offering chaplaincy and support and prayer. A school, a sports team, a neighborhood can change when we are engaged, when we are realizing what we are. We mustn't shrink back into the box. We need to be engaged. It's no use to be salt but in the box. And so engagement is really important if we realize that we are the salt. And the third thing is this. There's an element of quality that Jesus talks about. Salt can lose its zest by being mixed with other substances. As I understand it, sea salt uh, from the Dead Sea, which would have been scraped up, sometimes had sulfates in it. And it looked the same, but it was useless. And that's why Jesus said, if the salt loses its saltiness, it's no longer good for anything. There's always pressure, I believe, even especially now on the church to conform to what society deems acceptable, to kind of lower the bar to allow more people in, if you like. Sociologists tell us that, and, and that, well, this is what they're saying, and I'm not talking about Christians, sociologists. They tell us that we tend to believe what society tells us, that truth is heavily culturally conditioned, that, it's, that this, um, this understanding of what is good is changing and changes with culture. And Jesus sets this very high moral standard and he calls us up to it. And the church, I believe, must not lower the standard to make it acceptable to the culture. As somebody said, and I love this quote, the lifeboat needs to be in the sea, but we're in trouble when the water gets into the lifeboat. The salt mustn't lose its saltiness. And when culture and faith collide, it's absolutely okay. In fact, it's right to re-examine in my faith, have, have I got this right? And go back to the Bible and make sure that I've got that right. But the Bible must always be something that I submit to, not something I take away from to make it more acceptable to culture. Because the salt must not lose its saltiness. We must seriously, honestly, with integrity, engage with God's word. But not be swayed. But certainly humbly ask ourselves again, have I got this wrong? But we mustn't take bits out so that it becomes acceptable to others. It must always be the one in the conversation, which is the benchmark. So the implications, if we are salt, instead of looking at society maybe and critiquing our political leaders, which is so easy, let's face it, to do, maybe the church, we need to repent and we need to say, Lord, if we are the salt and society is going in a wrong direction, I have to examine the quantity, the level of engagement and the quality. Not so much how terrible they are, but maybe how much am I involved in evangelism? How much am I engaged in the culture? How much am I compromising to be acceptable to those around me?
The Jesus way is knowing about what we are, and we are the salt of the earth. The second picture he paints is the picture of light. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 says this, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. As I understand it, uh, back in the day, the houses uh, in Nazareth would have had small windows, uh, typically very small, so that inside would have been very dark. And so a little oil lamp, something maybe like this in the picture, would have been lit and raised high up to, to, so that you can maximize the benefit of the limited light that came from it. And there's no point in putting that lamp under something. No point in putting it under a bowl because then that ceases to, to, to function the way it's meant to. And equally, the picture of a town or a city on a hill at night time, it's ridiculous to think that you wouldn't see that in the midst of darkness. So what does it mean to be light? You are the light of the world. Not by doing anything. Not by saying anything, but by being something. What does that mean? Because the only action that Jesus says here is to put ourselves in public view so that we shine. So what does that shining look like when I'm in public view? What does that mean for me? And, and if you look through the, the Sermon on the Mount, the, 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 the next part of the chapter, and, and well, if you go on to chapter 6, what we can learn about is some of the things that it's not. So, for instance, it's not praying in public. And when you pray, Jesus says, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues on street corners to be seen by others. Um, you know, when I'm thinking about the light of the world, what, what, what must I do that people might see me? It's not about praying in public. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm saying that's not what this is about, about being light of the world. That I don't go, right, I need to do this, I need to do that. Think of songs of praise. If you ever seen, uh, I'm sure you have, songs of praise and you see the camera going around. And people, if, if songs of praise was here this morning, uh, if, if you knew songs of praise, if you knew songs of praise this morning, would you be dressed like that? <laughs> Come on, Paul. Let me see, who else? No. We would dress up, wouldn't we? Why? Because, you know, we're impacted by the fact that we know that the TV camera's on us. You know that sort of one where the people that see the camera, and then they realize the camera's on them. And it impacts us when we're, when we're praying in public. In Alpha, before, the, before uh, Alpha starts, we pray before uh, people come. And, and many times people come before they're meant to come. And, and you're going, hmm. All right, okay, all right, okay. Uh, and there's something that's through my head that's good where I'm thinking, it's good that they see that we're praying, but it affects my prayer. So, you know, somebody comes in, Sally comes in, and I'm going to go, so pray for Sally. It affects your prayer when you're praying in public. And I'm not saying we don't pray in public, but I don't think this is what Jesus is talking about. So what does the shining look like? It's also not 
doesn't look like generous giving. When you give to the needy, Jesus says, do not let your left hand know what your right hand's doing so that uh, your giving may be done in secret. It's not even social action. It's not even uh, doing good things in public that they might see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven, Jesus says. It's not even that because... um, Verse 1 of chapter 6 says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. I'm not saying social action. Believe me, I'm not saying that doing good in our community is wrong. Absolutely not. I'm convinced of following Jesus' example and serving the, uh, the poor and the needy. But the bottom line is what Jesus is saying is it's not about religion. That's what Jesus warns about in the rest of the whole Sermon on the Mount. Unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom. So Jesus' way, it starts in the Sermon on the Mount about saying, this is the way of the world, but see the little people, see all the people who are forgotten. Uh, it, It compares the values of the kingdom to the values of the world, but the rest of the Sermon on the Mount is about the Jesus way in comparison to not the world's way, but the way of religion. And so um, Jesus picks out, uh, he says, you've heard it said this way, or you pray like this, but you should pray like that. Uh, When you pray or when you give, you, you do it like this, but you should do it like that. When you fast, don't copy the religious way. My way is different. Don't mistake my way for religion. And if you notice everywhere in the Gospels, There is always hostility between Jesus and the religious people, the religious leaders. There was always that tension. But with Jesus and the world, Jesus was seen as the friend of sinners. He drew the people. But he was not drawn by or he was not drawn to the Pharisees and the religious people. The separated ones was the name for the Pharisees. But they believed that keeping the law was both an individual and a national duty. You must do this. They were determined that the law was kept and they had 613 commands, 39 of which were about Sabbath keeping. They developed a series of interpretations so that they couldn't be broken even by accident. And they defined things like work. And, and, and I, I remember mentioning this before. There was one uh, even which was about not looking at a woman inappropriately. And so the Pharisees developed this thing, or some of them, known as the bump and stumble Pharisees. When they saw a woman come and they would put their head down to avoid seeing the woman, uh, to keep the head down so that when a woman appeared, they, they wouldn't see them. And so consequently, they would stumble and they would bump into walls and they would get these badges of honor, bruises on their head. What holy people. I would love to take them to Belfast on a Friday night <laughs> and then to A&E. I remember... Um, I remember uh, years ago, uh, one guy telling me uh, when, we were, when we were in SISM, I, was, I, I used to be involved in the SISM camp, and one of the local guys, um, I remember him saying, uh, you know, I, I, when I see Christians on a Sunday morning, he would say, and if the crease in their trousers is straight, that wouldn't worry me, because they haven't been on their knees in the morning. So every time before I saw him, I would get a wee, not at all. 
But this is the religion that Jesus was talking against. And Jesus suggested that his followers had to surpass the righteousness of the Pharisees. That seemed impossible to his hearers, but he was saying something different. He wasn't saying you should be more religious. He was saying the Jesus way is deeper. You've no need to earn points anymore. It starts with knowing you're valuable. You see, the religious person is only worried about the externals. They're only worried about what is seen and earning points. They're motivated by pride, but they're also motivated by fear, getting up the ladder, scoring points with God, trying to get leverage, and ultimately it is potentially seriously selfish. The religious people say, what's wrong with this town? Seriously, what's wrong with this town? And the Jesus way says... What's wrong with me? And how can I be more engaged in this town? The Jesus way is a goodness that far surpasses this religious way. It's a, it's a godly goodness and it surpasses this religious righteousness. There's no need to earn points in the Jesus way. It's a way of grace. Everything is done. And so we're motivated not by point scoring, but by love and appreciation, by grace. And Jesus says this, let your light, have to think about this, shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. It could be so easy to get religious in not interpreting that right. That word good is a word which means winsome, beautiful, and attractive. It's, it's a different word for good in terms of quality. It's, it's, it's got more focus on this winsomeness and pointing to God. It's like the flavoring of the salt on food. Sometimes it's nice to put a wee bit of salt on food. And if someone prepares you a meal and you put a wee bit of salt on it and it just adds that extra to it, you don't say to the person that's prepared the food, trust me, you don't. You don't say, wow, see that salt? That's great. You say that food is great because the Jesus way is flavoring. The Jesus way is pointing to God. We're to be an ongoing witness of Christ in the world. And that way can't be hidden. Here's the thing about light. Light attracts. And light is also attractive. The religious way is to separate. To hide things under a bowl. To, to do something and then run back. Living the Jesus way draws people. Jesus drew people. The religious people make people feel worse. If you ever feel worse. Examine who the person you were talking to. Don't judge them, but examine whether that was religious or the Jesus way. And by the way, I'm not talking about the gospel message. It is offensive, we're told, to the world. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. It's, this is a different thing. This is the gospel goodness that's within us. It's how we live. It's being light. It's who we are. Jesus said, while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And now he says, now he's gone. He said, you're the light of the world. Not by doing anything, not by saying something, but by being something. The only action that we're given, remember, is to put ourselves in public view, not to hide. One of my favorite commentators put it this way, that Jesus' way is brighter, so it's the light, because it's deeper. It's an issue of the heart. It's deeper because it's sweeter. 
because it's based on knowing our value. And it's sweeter because it's higher, because it's grace. The Jesus way is brighter because it's deeper. It's deeper because it's sweeter, and it's sweeter because it's higher. Our value is in Christ. John Stott says like this about Matthew five thirteen to 16. Like salt in petrifying, I'm sorry, putrefying meat, the Christians are to hinder social decay. Like light in the prevailing darkness, Christians are to illuminate society and show it a better way. So the Jesus way is about what we are. Not religious, but authentic. Not separate, but out of the box. Not compromised, but distinctive. And our action is simply to come out from hiding. That's the Jesus way, knowing what we are. And I just believe if we get that, what a difference that can make uh, to the community that we're in.